Get ready for non-stop action. Get ready for non-stop excitement. They're doing the job possibly nobody wants. Watching every canon film and analyzing them. To death. Frank Garcia Hale. Jeff Garlock in the canon canon. Braddock. Braddock? Braddock is his name. Welcome to the Canon Canon. My name is Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is the podcast where we are watching all of the uh, Canon films and then talking about them. Uh, And uh, just to let you all know, if you've been listening to the episodes, one, thank you for listening. Uh, This is our first uh, post-quarantine episode. Correct. Yeah, and this is our first one that we are doing from uh, My Beautiful House and Frank's beautiful house, and we are not looking at each other's beautiful faces. Um, yeah, it's really hard not to see your face across from mine. Yeah. And what you're going to hear uh, on my recordings is some bleed over of my toddler. Oh, yeah. Uh, and my cats, more than likely. And and it's definitely possible that uh, my toddler will wake up at some point and just start banging on the door. Uh, but, uh, you know, then we'll just feel like how Braddock does uh, at all times. Uh, during this movie that we're watching today. <laughs> Being a POW. Like a POW, nonstop, uh, just staring out of bamboo cages. Uh, the movie, of course, today that we are watching is Missing in Action to the Beginning. What we were going to actually watch at first was Missing in Action. Uh, at one point, these movies were available streaming, and now they seem to be not. So we found some links online, and then both me and Frank started to watch it. And all of a sudden, Braddock's voice sounded a little bit more German than I thought it would. <laughs> yeah, I had found a weird German version. I can't find a version of Missing in Action. But uh, that is fine, because uh, what we're going to end up telling you, uh, the way that they shot these films is a little bit messed up anyways. Uh, yeah, we actually ended up watching the right one if, in, in the original intended order. <laughs> right. uh, this was supposed to be the first movie. Which is so confusing, but like, we'll get into all that uh, after we get into uh, some of our stats here. Because, uh, yeah, we've got the classic Frank Garcia Hale stats for Missing in Action 2, The Beginning. Okay, Missing in Action 2, The Beginning came out on March 1st, 1985. Big year. What? How old was I? Trying to think because in relation to when I actually watched it the first time. 1985. I was born 78. Okay, yeah. I was too young to watch this at any point. Oh, yeah. Me too. I was three years old when this came out. <laughs> yeah. I definitely saw it on VHS. And even then was probably too young to be watching Missing in Action 2. Uh-huh. Same here. Yes. I I mean, it. we'll get into that later. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> It opened third when it came out. Really? Uh, the first two movies did incredibly well, surprisingly. Right. Um, and in in the top one hundred of the year, uh, this came in eighty fourth overall. What? I I'm, yeah. I feel shocked by that, especially after watching it uh, last night. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the top 10 movies, uh, we've gone over this before, but just to kind of refresh your memory, uh, number one was Back to the Future. Uh-huh. Number two was Beverly Hills Cop. Nice. 
number three, uh, this is fitting, Rambo First Blood Part 2. Well, well, well. What a yep. weird coincidence. <laughs> uh, number four, Rocky Four. Man. Gee, I know this is what we've also probably gone over this year, and every single time I'm gonna go, man, when Rocky Four. What a good year, yeah. What a year, baby. Number five, Cocoon, especially Cocoon with you. I know you're a big Wilford Brimley fan. Man, God, Donna Michi, (laughs) do it up. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You got the Gutenberg in there too. You you got the Goot and the Meech. I get get it, man. Cocoon, we're going to see Cocoon. (laughs) I want to make one of those like Beatles shirts where they got like George, Paul, blah, 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 just the bike. But I want it just as the Goot, the Meech, the Brim. Uh, Number six. And one other person. The Sheed. Is Ali Sheedy in that? No, not at all. No, he is, right? Yeah. Is he? No, isn't it short circuit? No, I. Oh, oh we're going to get corrections about this. Uh, if you know, you'll let us know. <laughs> we uh, are we can probably... easily look it up because we have access to the internet, but we're not going to do it. That'd be stupid. <laughs> uh, number six, witness. I that is. Can I just also say that's been like for some reason number one on my quarantine every night. Maybe I watch witness list. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know why. It just I was about keeps to say popping why, in yeah. my brain. There's no reason. They're legitimately, I have got no reason besides with the plethora of choices we have. Everyone, like almost every night, I'm like, I should see if Witness is on there. I wonder if it's good. I wonder if it holds up. Lucas Haas is very young. I exactly. That's, I'm a big Haas head. So I want to see a young Lucas Haas. Um, then we have the Goonies at seven. Police Academy two at number eight. The first assignment. Uh, number nine, uh, Fletch. Uh, 10 is a view to kill. That's a pretty good, but I can't believe like, yeah, it's shocking to me. I guess just that this movie did well. Um, uh, but is also, you know, speaks to the craziness of Canon and also their weird marketing, uh, uh, and their crazy idea. I mean, so it's like, yeah, to get into kind of something we talked about. So, so basically, you know, they made both of, they made both missing in action and missing in action two at the same time with different they directors. Basically sh- yes, different directors, also different composers, like, uh-huh. which is something we'll get into, uh-huh. uh, which kind of drives me nuts. Um, but yeah, they made the same two. They 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 shot them at the same time with two different directors, uh, and it, apparently it was based off of a James Cameron treatment mm-hmm. for. Rambo first blood part two (laughs) that had been floating around Hollywood and they really rushed production so that they could get it out two months before Rambo first blood part two came out so that they could get around copyright laws, which is so beautifully uh, Canon films. That is so Golan and Globus, isn't it? That like, they are like, they love films so much that they want to fuck over some other film <laughs> that they are directly ripping off. Yeah, that, well, they they kind of kicked off a whole like genre of POW Vietnam rescue movies, right? Right. Which is, yeah, it's crazy. Like that. That I mean, I, I love any tiny, tiny subgenre, uh, uh, but that is definitely its own subgenre, and it's just like it. It just speaks again to the ingenuity of canon. That it's not that it's not like the Italian uh, film circuit where it's like they're like, oh, Serpico was popular. We're going to make a bunch of weird ripoffs after the movie comes out 
or or death wishes popular here's a bunch of death wishes instead they're like fuck it we will do it before the movie that we're going to rip off comes out and (laughs) then weirdly seems like maybe they're the ones who started it all but Uh we know that's not the case uh and ultimately probably made beyond just who's involved in it uh, but a definitely an inferior version of Rambo First Blood Part 2, which is also an inferior version of First Blood anyways. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird, like, copy of a copy of a copy. It just gets diluted until you're the last Michael Keaton clone. Exactly. It's the multiplicity of genre film. Uh-huh. It's a lot like when, like, my first high school band, Switch Dance, we went into a studio and we recorded our demo. And then our crazy way of duplicating it was to use, like, a double deck uh, tape player and then just we would record a copy of it and then move the copy over to the next one and then just keep cycling. So like in oh retrospect, every single one of them got worse and worse. Yeah. And we had paid, <laughs> but we never thought about it. It's not like we quality checked that we sold them at shows and we sold like 30 of them. But like, that's just like, that's the bad idea of a 16 year old. Uh-huh. Uh, this is two older men who also didn't have a terrible idea because this movie did quite well as we talked about people were hungry for it it's it's reagan's america and they they want yes. this content yes uh definitely and and that was i guess like one of the main reasons Norris said he signed on because i guess he had a brother who had died in vietnam correct so he was like i want to do this movie in honor of him and like and there's also like it was on wikipedia but i like it does sum up like because being both a, I have, I feel like just like with Bronson, but even more so, I think, and maybe you do too, like I have such a complicated relationship with Chuck Norris. Uh-huh, me too. Oh yeah, I, we'll get into that, yeah. Well, just because like, I think he's just like, he's not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> just in general. And we lost half our audience. Yeah, I know, but hear me out, audience, who come back, hopefully. Yeah. Well, he's both not good and I love him. Uh-huh. Like, he's not a great actor. Like, he just walks through everything. Uh, his fighting is not great. Like, he's not the best. Like he and, and I wonder if also he might be one of those guys. It's a little bit like Seagal, where it's like, no, 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 no. He's actually doing the more realistic fighting. Uh-huh. Like, and it's not as showy. But, like, when he does actually fight, you're just like, oh, okay, I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's just like, but that's what I was waiting for. Yeah. I was dealing with your kind of acting this whole time. It might be because of his association with Bruce Lee. Right. That he gets right. a pass, I think. I mean, like, I'm no fighter. You know, I, I can't even fucking, you know, uh, I, I twist my leg, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to give my child a bath. You know, I, I, I can't. I thought I, I thought I wrenched my fucking foot going on off of up and down a curb when I went for a run this morning. So, you know, yeah. yeah. Who so are we? <laughs> we're, we're, who are we to judge? But at the same right. time with the kung fu movies we grew up with and stuff, you, you know, you kind of watch it. And you're like, OK, yeah. And I yeah. wonder if the Bruce Lee association kind of gives him a little bit of that pass. I think so. Cause, and I think because he's got that. Ri- and, and, but he's also, I don't know. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like weeding through Highlander last episode where I'm like, you're constantly like watching him. And I'm like, why am I drawn to him? Because he is like, I'm, he's, he's magnetic uh-huh. in the most non-magnetic way possible. He's only got one mode. 
and he's done yes. that mode forever. Even in Walker, Texas Ranger, with however many seasons, because my family <laughs> right. was big into Walker. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm from Texas. Uh, so of course, you know, there's this weird Texas pride that takes over. So anything about Texas, sure. I'm like, I'm gonna watch that. Um, <laughs> but man, uh, you know, watching it with my family over the years, like in the, even in the last years, like they, he never really, there was a seat. I always remember there was an episode where he has to go undercover for, uh, like they were for smuggling, uh, you know, uh, people across the border, but they were like mistreating <laughs> right. people. It was it was strangely sort of a liberal episode, which is kind of mm-hmm. trying to point out like these people are human and what you're doing is wrong um, right. of how the treatment of them. But he went undercover uh, to be uh, uh, to be moved across the border and he dyes his hair um, uh, black <laughs> And then they go. They Such go, a creepy uh, visual. Yeah, no. He dies. He dies his hair black, and they're like, they're like, you. Who are you? And he goes, I'm a vaquero who works down at the farm. <laughs> he's like trying to do this. Like he's trying to do Spanish, and it's so like, you know, lady oh. at Taco Bell trying to order. It, it, like it's so it's so bad, and they're Can like, I get a queso dio. It's pretty much it's borderline that, and then they're like, okay, he's good. <laughs> Passes on muster. Good going. <laughs> yeah. But it's such a, he always just has, he's he's that way in interviews. He's that way right. acting. He just right. has one mode. But it's that thing of like, he does one thing well, and that's all you need from him. It really is. And I think like, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's this weird. I mean, even you saying that, that it's surprisingly liberal. Like, I, you know, I was reading a thing about how he said like, he said like his politics are that he's like not it's he's conservative, but he's not Republican or liberal or Democrat. Like he's like he just likes Reagan like and at that time. Right. He was at just that like, time. And he did. Yeah. And he was just like, I just like Reagan. I like that. He's like pro-America. And it was just this kind of like that. Even that is like this middle of the road conservative, like where it was just like, yeah, I just kind of like America, just the concept. They, and like, they're patriotic. They're patriotic and they love their country right. and they love, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a son of a veteran. Right. And I, I have complicated feelings, you know, with a lot of one, I, I hate the way that our veterans are treated because they put yep. their lives on the line so that I can do stupid shit like this. Um, <laughs> yes. You know we what I mean? Like, I'm very grateful because I would never put my life on the line for this goddamn country. You know, like, right. hundred percent. Never would I, I, either. I, I, I think it's incredibly brave of people to go out there and do that. And I have so much respect for our veterans and people who put their life on the line so that we can do shit like this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I am very critical of the government that puts us in those situations and it's hard to be patriotic when, you know, I don't want to get on a soapbox, whatever, but sure. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know that type of uh, conservative who their their whole deal is just like, well, I just want you to respect the country that we live in and don't take for granted all the the freedoms that we have. And they're very much like it's it's very much of that, you know, as opposed to kind of the politics. Right. And I get that. I think maybe even that's weirdly part of the charm, because even when you're watching Missing in Action, too, like, I mean, like he also was like, I wanted to do this in honor of my brother and like in honor of like, you know, all of the POWs we've kind of lost. And the whole time you're watching, you're like, is it really in honor of that? Like, I mean, it's just yeah. like a weirdly <laughs> confusing political film, but also because it is weirdly middle of the road and in a weird way, like 
as someone who's got like super strong beliefs, but also aware that I'm full of shit. Uh, uh, I also like, I vaguely like, I guess like I get Chuck Norris. I get Chuck Norris and that version of conservative more than someone who is just like that kind of general. It's the equivalent of just like, yeah, I'm religious, but that just kind of means I go to church now and then. Like, like I'll wear a cross and I'm going to go to the Easter mass and do this and like, and, but it's (laughs) not like I'm going to be, yeah, the kind of fair. And like, that's like the, to me, honestly, that's America. Like, like that's America, especially of the eighties is kind of just like, yeah, it's just kind of old school. I think that's the thing. It's, it's like, he seems like he's a little bit more just that kind of old school of like, where like, I'm a person who I'm just like, I think it's crazy that anyone would like the president, no matter who it is. Right. Uh, and he's just kind of in that mode of just like, yeah, I mean, it's America. Like, and that's, that's kind of what the movie. Listen to him. Yeah, it's and and you know and like and it's pretty cut or dry and I think that's part of the again the weirdly the fun of this movie but also I think that's a big thing we'll end up getting into when we actually get in the movie is that like it's surprisingly not fun I think that's the hard part of uh-huh. this movie like it's not an action film it's it's touted as an action film like uh, uh you know it's got the tagline of it, the tagline something like you know Norris is a powder keg and he's just waiting to go off and the whole time you're like yeah I mean he's yeah. never going off like, I'm, I'm waiting Christ. a long time for him to a <laughs> I'm waiting long a long time, time for something to fucking happen <laughs> right but i think that's the interesting part of it like you think it's and i think like that's also the i think that's also part of why we're both enjoying doing this podcast and hopefully people who are listening might enjoy this is like you've got an idea of what the movie was if you haven't been watching it recently for a lot of these kind of canon films of like what it was when you were a kid because if if i had been like oh yeah i watched this last time when i was like 10 it would have been like, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's an action movie with Norris. Like, uh-huh. And I never would have even like thought about the fact of like, no, no, no. Most of it is like we're mostly just watching POWs get tortured. Like yeah. for like, you know, for like an hour and then it becomes an action movie. And it's a lot like we'll get into it when we eventually do Delta Force. Oh, but like yeah. Delta Force is the same fucking deal where like it's like based off of real stuff. And for big chunks of it, you're like, oh, man, this is fucking real. And then all of a sudden Norris is on a motorcycle with missiles. Uh-huh. And you're like, OK, now it's I guess the movie I was hoping it was going to be. Yeah, it, it tries to pay homage to those who have uh RPOWs and they try to respect right. it to a certain degree and then after that they're like okay fuck it here's a here's a missile <laughs> right. launcher he's gonna right. fucking fry some people with a, a flamethrower and it's then it almost fantasy oh, the flamethrower things we'll get it I I it's like it's almost our catchphrase we'll get into it for this <laughs> but like the flamethrower totally made me laugh oh out yeah loud. like there were real a couple moments I thought like in you know I, I hope when people are listening to this because I know we have a couple of like hardcore canon fans who yep. if, if they're still with us who can appreciate the way we're approaching this and like we're having fun with it you know we're having yes. fun with these movies but at the same time we do like them even when oh, yeah, we're slagging yeah. it, we do like these movies. We're I'm rooting for fucking missing in action the whole time. And and that's the other part, too, is like, I, I want to also speak to this. This is something that's kind of the same. Like, I rewatched this trilogy like a year ago before oh. we've done this <laughs> podcast. Like, yeah. and also like, it's an actually a post quarantine thing I found. And maybe you've had this, too. I remember texting you about at least one movie. Now I have a new way of watching film where like. The movies I was going to watch anyways, now I have to double check if they're a canon film or not. 
Mm-hmm. So like, I remember texting him being like, wait a second, is Messenger of Death a canon film like a Bronson movie? Because I was like, literally it was that night, I was like, I got to watch a Bronson movie or a Chuck Norris movie. And every single one I was picking, I was like, well, we're going to have to do this on the podcast. So we have like, to save I'm, it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to blow my load right now. <laughs> like, especially if it's like, honestly, like something like Missing in Action 2, where I'm like, I don't feel like I need to watch it again for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, Versus Missing in Action 1, if I'm remembering correctly, I might end up rewatching a bunch because it's pretty good. But so, yeah, so let's start. To, let's just actually let's talk about uh, uh, some of the real quick. It, it was almost two point five million uh, to make, but it made uh-huh. over ten million dollars. Which is crazy. Which yeah. is I mean, that's like a good that's a pretty good ratio, especially for like, what, 84, 85. Oh, yeah. And no, that for was a fucking a hit. canon film. Like that's definitely a hit, especially where I mean, honestly, even the two point five million. There's the littlest bit that I'm just like, where did that money go? Like, because I, I mean, we'll again, we'll get into it, but like, most of those sets look like you're on the set of a Universal Studios like action extravaganza. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> like where I was like, I know in theory it's I think the Philippines, but like it seems like just one back lot. Yeah, that's that where they, they just kind of keep moving the camera around. <laughs> like, I think it's because there's so many explosions with people jumping from the explosions too. Uh-huh. <laughs> like within the first three minutes, there are at least two, maybe three people like being blown into the sky from a grenade going off, which is awesome beginning. Um, uh, so let's get into it. Yeah. I, so a couple things. So it was directed by Joseph Zito. Uh, no, that that was the first one. No, no, you're right. Yes. Yeah, sorry. This is the confusing part. Yeah. Yes. Go on. Yeah. He directed the first one, which was right. the second one. <laughs> right. uh, so, yeah. Buddy... So we have to clear that up. They filmed these at the same time. Two different directors. And the one we watched, the beginning, was supposed to be the first film. And then they realized that it wasn't as good as the other one. <laughs> uh-huh. So then they moved things around. They released what was supposed to be the second film as the first film. And then this film is the prequel to the second film. So in a weird way, as you said, we ended up watching the right film. Uh, and I... I mean, I think I agree, too, if I remember correctly, that it is the better film as the first one. Correct. Uh, yes, correct. Yeah, they, made a, they made a good call with that. They were right. Yes, that was, and especially if they wanted to beat Rambo. Uh, so, yeah, so it wasn't, it was, oh, what was the director's name? Lance name, Oh, Lance, yeah, Lance Hool. So Lance Hool looked like he didn't do a lot. He did, like, mostly producing. Like, he, like, produced Club Dread. Uh, oh, really? that like broken lizard movie. Okay. Uh, uh, but he also directed, and I don't know if you remember, this is one is for the VHS people. Uh, he directed this movie, Steel Dawn, which I've never seen, which was a Patrick Swayze post-apocalyptic film that was on Vestron. And it was like, I guess it was supposed to be like Cowboys meets a post-apocalyptic film. But I always wanted to watch it because the box looked very similar to The Running Man, uh. even though it was completely different companies. But like, that's like one of the only movies besides this that he directed. And then he got super into producing. Right. Lance um, Hool, right? Hool? Lance Hool. I said H-O-O-L. Yeah. Uh, he, it also, just like the other one, has like three different writers attached. 
the only one that I really found info on that I had no idea was this guy Stephen Bing was either did the story by or was one of the writers because again there were like three people to make this movie which is insane uh but apparently that guy was like a millionaire like he was a, his family was a bunch of real estate people uh uh and he ended up like just becoming a screenwriter because he just had the money to just be a screenwriter and what he did was missing in action must be uh, nice must be nice man and then he ended up investing a lot of money into that polar express beowulf like technology oh. <laughs> right 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 that fucking like dead-eyed the fucking... mocap yeah uncanny yeah. valley nightmare Yes, the Uncanny Valley fucking nightmare uh, genre of film. Apparently, he thought that was the next big thing. So he put a lot of money into that. But he also apparently had a paternity suit with Elizabeth Hurley. Like, so he's, yeah, got a lot of stuff going on. Must be Uh, nice. Must be nice. And then (laughs) the composer uh, was Brian May, but not from Queen. I know. Uh, It's so funny because we had done the uh, Highlander episode a few episodes back (laughs) and then- (laughs) <laughs> I looked at that because I was like, what? What the fuck? Because I thought it was another uh, situation like we had with Death Wish 2. Sure. Where a member of a, a very big band goes off and does a soundtrack for a movie by themselves. And uh, no, it's not that Brian May. No, he's, he he apparently did Mad Max. It took me a while to find that info for some reason. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a bu- I mean, I'd say music. Like Jay Chataway did the other two. And I really like Jay Chataway. Like he did Maniac, he did Vigilante, he did like a bunch of Lustig films, he did Relentless. Uh, Brian Mays is okay. It just like was that kind of like middle of the road orchestral score. Brian May did the music for Mad Max. They said that some of the music cues were from Mad Max, which I didn't recognize. I didn't recognize any of them. I think he must have picked like the most boring ones from Mad Like it's a totally <laughs> fine, serviceable like or, or like you know but again it's just like one of those soundtracks that you're just like yeah it ex- it's it's a soundtrack i would never listen on its own you know like it's like like it's not like the jay chataway stuff like i legitimately would be like oh if i had a vinyl of this i would listen to it like it was a record oh yeah not to move ahead but like um i there's a point where he there's a weird music cue where he's changing a magazine and it does this water like uh, like somebody uh <laughs> Using a a rod, a metal rod on water, going. It sounds like a fucking Hanna Barbera sound cue. (laughs) It does. That was Mad Max, uh, Frank. You didn't you didn't pick that up. Oh, Uh, that's a classic sound sound cue from Mad Max. I do weirdly remember that part too because I remember just like it was surprisingly slow. Him taking that magazine out, looking at it, realizing it was empty. Throwing it into a rice paddy. And then you (laughs) hear some kind of Sid and Marty Croft cue. (laughs) And then the banana split showed up. (laughs) Uh, And it got really awkward. I was like, this is not the movie I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that that is one of those weird little parts that stuck out. Um, uh, But yeah, like, so... You know, the crew is okay. Like, it's that's the weird part. They made, they did make the right move because everyone involved in that's why I'm excited to finally watch Missing in Action again with through the podcast. Is like, I do like you look at the lineup and at least for genre idiots, I was just like, oh yeah, Joseph Zito, Jay Chataway. Like, this is gonna be fun at least. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and it just like it much like the, I don't know, the work of all that, like not to slog, like making a movie is super hard, but it's like, 
you know, it's a, it's a workhorse of a movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, like, and you know, there actually is a way, like starting at the beginning, there's a weird, like the fact that it's based off of basically Rambo two, the fact that they use that real footage uh-huh. of like a, of a, a veteran of funeral, Yeah. And Reagan reminded me a lot of like, not Rambo last blood, but the last, the one before it that I love, uh, the 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 just self-titled Rambo where there's that real footage of like Burmese people getting massacred that like takes the fun out of this crazy movie. Oh yeah. Because you're like, it's like, and that was the thing is like that footage was like part of the unfun of this movie where it was just like, yeah, I mean, I know that there are POWs. <laughs> like, why are you reminding me of it? Also through this weird way where I was like, and maybe you felt, I was like, who is the narrator that's narrating? I was like, I was like, this isn't a newscast uh-huh. that's like talking about, it. it's just like some extra voice that's just like setting up of just like, all right, I guess there are real POWs. So the entire time I watch this action film, I have to picture that there are these real POWs existing. <laughs> yeah. Unmarked, you know, unidentified. <laughs> You know, a soldier being buried while millions of, or not millions, but like, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of families are there mourning, wondering mm-hmm. if that is their child or what other people are still alive. <laughs> right. You know, uh, ten was it eight years after the fact, or maybe I don't know who. who I guess with this, I guess this would be eighty four. So then it would be you know uh, twelve years after the fact, but like, uh, you know, because Reagan was in an office from eighty one to eighty nine. Mm-hmm. I think so this so. had to take place between then. I would assume right. when the movie came out, you know, right? They never. That's the thing that they they never really make it clear how long they've been in there. And I guess that's kind of the point of being like, oh, okay, yeah, it's been so long, we don't even know. But like, they were captured in 1972, <laughs> right? That's when the that's what the Chiron said when they with a weird uh, video game uh, typewriter missing an action, uh, right? Top secret, you know, font. <laughs> crazy move right like yeah. when because like it, it 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 threw me off because that's the hard part of like we both were watching it on a youtube link uh-huh. so i'm waiting for something to be fucked up the whole time uh-huh. like that like someone uploaded weird so all of a sudden in that firefight it just freeze frames and like my first thought was just like oh this doesn't work this movie's broken like nope somebody and- typing at a normal speed Yeah, the (laughs) slowest typewriter typing of a military typewriter font. And then the audience has to read along, but come on. It was crazily slow. And then a slam of that that narc video game style missing in action in red. Missing in action. Also, I was like, okay, well, if all of them were missing in action, why did you have to do this for every single one of them? Right, we get it, man. I like, guess honestly. to introduce the characters, I get it. It's setting it up, but like, I don't but know. But that was the thing, though. They had already set up these characters. Like, they had already right. gone through of like, all right, this is the fucking guy from Brooklyn who hasn't seen his kid. <laughs> all right, this is the fucking the hot shot. All right, this is Chuck Norris. Because that's ultimately, again, the thing. He's not a character. Yeah. He's just Chuck Norris. He just like, shows up in a weird hat. Yeah. That's also something I did want to talk about briefly is like, I thought to me it speaks of again that Chuck Norris almost gets it and it's crazy to say because in the in the pantheon he's one of the 80s action heroes uh-huh. like there is a pretty great documentary I, I think I told you about of like in search of the last action heroes that's about 80s action films of course they cover Norris but like it's like just like this movie it almost is 
the type of intro of a character that you want to see in an 80s action film. Like, to me, the ultimate one is Commando. I've talked about that before, where, like, all of a sudden we have, like, a pan-up of this ginormous human body coming out of fog in a forest holding a log, and you're like, oh, it's Schwarzenegger. Like, and in this case, it's just, like, out of nowhere, it's just, eh, there's Norris walking yeah, in a weird out of a hat. hat. And just sits down in a helicopter. <laughs> and he's just like, all but right. the music implies that he's important. Yes, they're giving you this, like, big theme, like, we're supposed to be, like, cream in our jeans. That there's Norris our hero. Up. Right. But the whole time you're just like, God, it looks hot. Like he's wearing a lot of layers. Like, yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing both the hat, the like the the outfit that goes up to his neck and sunglasses. So you almost can't even tell it's exactly Chuck Norris. It's just, again, almost there. Almost a, almost an 80s action hero intro, but not quite. Um, but yeah, so that 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 slow down intro to everyone is very odd. Uh it is very unclear how long they're there. They maybe have one line where they did they say ten years at some point in passing. I think they he said I think he said something like uh, ten years the or war's whoever been knows over? how long. Yes, maybe that's. I think that's the thing. It's a little bit of a throwaway. Maybe that's how they're supposed to be said. Like we're supposed to be getting that out of this, but it is a little bit like it leads to just like well, I'm just confused as I'm watching it as well. Oh, <laughs> like, by the way. When we're talking about the missing an action font, uh, the the font for the movie itself, when it had the title, looks like Gilligan's Island. It does look like Gilligan's Island. It's just a little goofy. Sorry, yeah, I just remembered that's a, that. No, no, it, it because that that is legitimately because we started watching Missing in Action again, and that these are two movies at the same time. Even the font choices are shittier. Like <laughs> the font choice, like the font choice for fucking. Missing in action is awesome. Like it's got this like kind of like the thing a little bit like sort of like look to it. Uh, but then also like the 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 block lettering they use for everyone's credit for like Joseph Zito, Jay Chataway is like a little bit of a Terminator style font. And then, yeah, this one is like goofy made for TV movie like meets Gilligan's Island. <laughs> when I so was it's just like, yeah, just the aesthetic choices are odd. Oh, uh, yeah. sorry. What were we going to say? No, I was going to say, when I started watching this movie, it, it took me back to being a little boy in the 80s. This is uh-huh. a perfect, like, kind of 80s little boy movie. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you were yeah. a little boy in the 80s, like, you were watching, like, a lot, you were exposed to a lot of this. For me, yes. on Channel 39, like, that's what, like, they would always show these Chuck Norris movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, my mom dated this guy for a short while who was, like, uh, super i think i talked about this on a, a on episode the intro before. episode yeah this dipshit was like you know way into <laughs> uh chuck norris films and uh i mean i i like that aspect of it because i got to watch sure. his movies and stuff with him but i mean he sucked but and he took me to top gun <laughs> uh but i remember like just being like this dude sucks but i get to watch these movies <laughs> and right this was one of them i remember i i distinctly remember being in our apartment and watching this movie with him uh and i having me having to uh turn away at the part where they get the prostitutes uh, <laughs> oh it's so awkward man. but everything else i was allowed to watch yeah, I mean, that's I actually I love that you brought that up because I was going to ask if and when you remember was the first time you saw this movie. Uh, yeah, I guess it would have been. Um, I mean, it was on. V- we had the VHS uh, when he brought it over 
And I remember seeing these on like, you know, uh, you know, the UHF channels, um, where they would have it at like on a weeknight or like a a weekend. Um, and I think I was probably six. Yeah. So I, it would have been like 88 or so when I, I saw these films, like five That's, or six I think, probably right because like i was like a little bit i'm a little bit older than you so i think i probably saw it when i was like 10 which is crazy especially like now that we've got kids we're now i think we're probably all just like what the fuck were we doing like oh yeah well, like it's because i remember like for me when i first saw it and i'm pretty sure we rented both of them but like i was sick home from school and i was staying at my babysitter's house across the street and her son was sick too and so we went to the IGA, which was a supermarket that just happened to have like one row of rentals. Yeah, that's what our HEB had. Yeah. And so I, we rented both of them. And I remember getting in trouble because they also had like free dumb, dumb lollipops. And I ate like three of them. And she was like, if you're sick, you shouldn't be eating that many. And she's like, I think you lied. And I was like, oh, well, you're home anyways. Go watch this movie. Like, which is also crazy. We were home from school and my babysitter rented us Missing in Action. I mean, this was the same family that I saw Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire series with them, like any of the fried, like anything, most of the bad stuff that I should have not seen, I think I saw with them. Oh, uh, I saw that stuff with my family. Right. <laughs> I, 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 they were like in and out there, but I think, do you think the Sweezies are like the ones who helped me? on this path of watching stuff way too early. Um, but it was weird. like, yeah, like I was like, oh, then that's partly why it gets stuck in my brain is like, what a day. Like I was fucking sick at home, like getting to watch missing in action. So again, as you said, it is like this perfect, like 10 year old, eight, six year old boys version of a movie. Yeah. Um, and at that time, my friends, I remember they were like way into, I mean, this is the point of like, uh, like army being, uh, you know, romanticized, mm-hmm. you know, of like action. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff in that period of the eighties directed towards young, you know, boys and men right? to make it seem like, you know, GI Joe, you know, coming back yeah. in like the cartoon form and the, you know, the action figures and, and, you know, right. this type of, uh, you know, war movie that was just huge with little boys and, you know, teenage boys that, you know, was a way to kind of like, uh, get people enlisted. You know, I think it did create that's, a generation. I mean, it hundred percent. And that's, I think that's like, I mean, that's also to me, the interesting part of why we're doing this podcast is like, now we're watching it as old men who have also grown up in whatever subculture we grew up in, like in the fucking punk indie rock subculture and grown to have a distrust of the government. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and are now watching this movie that like when we first watched it, when I watched it when I was sick, when you were, you were watching it with your fucking mom's boyfriend, like you were just like, yeah, this is crazy. This is just like G.I. Joe. Oh, look, they're escaping. Like, how fun is it that they're constantly escaping from this thing? And I don't really understand even what war this is. Uh, but they're just kind of generally doing cool stuff here or there. And then watching it this time, you were like, I was like, yeah, like this is just watching POWs get tortured for like an hour or and a journalist and a journalist that like also like plot wise, I was like slightly confused when he came in. Like, 
you know, like I, I, I went, I, I both was like sitting there and I was like, am I a dumb, am I getting tired? Like, I think I need to go to bed. Cause like, I didn't know exactly what he was saying. Like if he was a journalist or if he worked for some, like the Geneva convention or something, the Geneva convention being something that they kept referencing at the beginning, like three times in a row. Uh-huh. Uh, just so that, that it were, was clear. Yes. Just like, just like you're breaking the Geneva convention. Did you know you're breaking the Geneva convention? Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, um, when uh oh god what's his name um i forgot what you know the guy with the chicken uh the what's his oh name? uh i mean i was just calling him brooklyn and my yeah mind. so like we'll call him brooklyn for the sake of <laughs> yeah. this podcast but uh brooklyn chicken man he um he told him he goes you never shoot your mouth off and it's like yes he did in that first scene we saw him yes. after the reagan footage he mentioned the geneva convention you know the code and yes. uh, and then it's like he shot his mouth off then. Right. He's always it's shooting his mouth off. Nonstop. He's always muttering something under his breath. Uh, I mean, that also speaks to, like, again, the weird conflux of it being this, like, pro-America, like, we want to remember and, and honor and 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 in deference to the, the POWs who are still over in Vietnam, but also... Chuck Norris has to be a badass for some reason <laughs> and is a little bit like most of the here. I mean, we this I think this is going to be a recurring theme. It kind of keeps coming up. It's the same as we talked about in Highlander. It's a little bit the same as in Cobra. Like I threw out. I was like, why is he the one that this commander is so fucking got a boner for? Like the uh, it becomes that the plot has to be that Braddock signs a confession and beyond the trope that for some reason they always want POWs to sign confessions of war crimes, it seemed to be that it was like, this is Braddock. You know Braddock. A little bit like Snake Plissken in fucking Escape from New York, which uh-huh. they do in a better way, where you're like, what exactly did Snake do that everybody knows what he did, like, except for the one mention of like the robbery he did? Like throughout, and unless I missed something, and let me know if I did, like the whole time I was like, what did Braddock do to this guy besides being an American? Because essentially it's like, I want Chuck Norris to sign this fucking thing. And it becomes the driving force of the movie. He's torturing them because of fucking, he wants them to sign this. And the whole time, just like, Braddock, just sign it, man. I don't even know what you're doing anymore. Because I don't even know who you are. Like besides just being Chuck Norris and having the name Braddock. Like it, it felt very unclear to me. Why? Speaking of, yes. do you know why he's named Braddock? <laughs> because they wanted to name him after Ben Braddock from The Graduate to make yeah. it fun? <laughs> because they wanted to create a Vietnam War hero with the name of a Cali- lazy California student. Right. Which what? Weird, like, it's just like, okay, sure you did. Sure. I mean, again, confusing. Like, who knows why... What he's I mean, maybe that's why he's so soft spoken and doesn't say anything and doesn't uh, say anything back, even though we pointed out that he does. Uh, yeah, I think it was just like it got that was like that was like the moments where it's like they remembered it was an action film. And we're like, all right, we've got to make him the number one badass. We've got to make it that. I mean, he uh, says he, at the end when he's getting in that fight, you know, when he uh, checks in on him to make sure he's dead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I want to see who's the better man. <laughs> right. It's like, that's why he kept him alive is because he wanted to see who the better man was. Oh, wait, again, like such a weird late 
end of the movie, but also half-ass action movie thing. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the same as Commando, like, in some extent. Like, you know, it's like, it's the, it's just the fucking uh, Bennett wanted to fucking get uh, Mannix or whatever the fuck com- uh, fucking Commando's name is in that movie or versa, vice versa. But like, yeah, like that is like, that's the bits again where it's like they can't, they can't pick a lane. Which is why this movie gets confusing. Uh-huh. Like you, they can't decide if it's this like kind of dramatic film. Like ultimately, if it was, because that's the other part too. Like I, yo, like Norris, Chuck Norris sticks out in his acting because everyone else is fucking acting up a storm. Like they are fucking going for. It. Like if you told me that every single one of those actors were like Shakespearean trained. I would have been like, of course, of course. I don't know about are. Brooklyn though. Brooklyn, but the, but Brooklyn in that scene where where Braddock is just sewing a flag. Oh yeah, and is like he has that monologue about like I got to see my son. He might not be a great actor, but he's going for it in oh, yeah. a in a new school like studied under James Lipton. Like I need to do a monologue sort of way while Malaria guy is having his monologue. Oh yeah. Uh, and then the guy who's like the one who's like uh, uh, helping out the Vietnam uh, general. That guy was great. Yeah, like he's a, like he's the guy from Twenty One Jump Street. Yeah, right? that's what I was gonna say. The guy who played Nestor, <laughs> right. uh, Stephen Williams. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he he's Captain Fuller on Twenty One Jump Street, and then he's Mister um, X on the X Files. Right. So that's the thing. Like they've got actors like in again, even if they're not great, they're acting up a storm. Mm-hmm. It's the same as we'll see when we get to missing in action where it's like you got Chuck Norris against M.M. at Walsh. Oh, yeah, like, that's going to be insane. But Hell then yeah. the whole time you're sitting there and you're just like, what the fuck is Norris doing? Like he's just sitting there like and, and I and maybe if you wanted to defend him, you could be like, yeah, it really shows how stoic he is. That he can go through all this and everyone else has these crazy Shakespearean monologues about how they got to get out of here and they got to see their kid or they got to be cured of malaria. Yeah, everybody uh, everybody cracks but him. Everyone cracks but him, man, because he's just sewing his flag. He's uh, not allowed to... Um, it's kind of a thing that you see with um, action stars, a few action stars now. They have these contracts where it's like they're not allowed to be vulnerable. Uh, vulnerable. Uh, they're not allowed to kind of be at any point losing too much. Yeah, it's that crazy Fast and the Furious shit where they like reported that like especially on Hobbs and Shaw, but like they had to make it so there was someone counting the punches. Yeah, they can only take so many punches. Right, and that no one can lose. So then ultimately you're just like, well, what the fuck am I going to be watching here? Yeah. Like just like it, it's never going to like and, and so that ends up being kind of the same. And when it's, you know, when it's someone like Schwarzenegger stallone or van damme i'm always just like okay but at least i can go on the ride because like i love them so much like and it's not like a norris love where i'm like god chuck norris you drive me nuts but there's something about you i find charming uh uh like where i'm just like all right of course they're gonna win because they're fucking arnold schwarzenegger and sylvester stallone and van damme is the most charming guy in the world um uh and then norris isn't but you're just like yeah event like it ends up being where i'm just like you got to let this guy like, cause even when they finally mentioned 
something about his wife. He's like, I've told you that your wife is going to divorce you. Are you ready to sign? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, he was married. Okay. I guess that's something new to Braddock. Like, at least he's a character now. I mean, but also, like, how did he know that that information? And then he got that letter. I guess he killed <laughs> right. the guy who had the letter. But then if you look at the address on the letter... Uh, right. it was it was sent to uh, um an apartment in San Francisco. <laughs> so I'm like, how did he get this letter again? I think he said like he got it from another soldier, and he's like, right. he's dead. Right. But I, I was still a little unclear. I was like, okay, and then he's burning it, and that's the only emotion we really see from him. Uh, the, like even when his friend was dying of malaria, I mean, and he finally you know acquiesces. It's still like there's still no like I, I didn't see any kind of pain from him he's still basically a walking two by four like he's just fucking and again if you want to be glass half full i love norris 100 percent uh he's he's just being stoic and pure norris if you're on the other end then he's just walking around man like he's just like and that's his thing like obviously he's made a whole career of it and we love him for it and hate him for it uh, I think he's one of the more ultimate kind of like love hate because yeah that moment like there was he wanted to kind of be like call bullshit on him he doesn't know your wife's getting remarried that sounds like a lie yeah like it sounds like a terrible lie <laughs> sounds like you're just fucking with somebody like you fucking go with it man uh, but yeah like I again I just think it was like because everyone is really kind of Really going for it. Like, they're really, you know, chewing up scenery to, to some extent. Yeah, and even um, the other guy that was in, in uh, the the cell with them, uh, who was helping them out as well. Oh, yeah. The, oh, the guy who got stripped naked by the prostitutes? Yeah, that guy. I mean, he was a great actor, I thought, too. <laughs> yeah, I loved him, too. I did that like scene, him. Uh, and it's got, uh, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Professor Tanaka. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, for, I, I know him best uh, from uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure as uh, Francis' yep. butler. <laughs> and I know him best as Sub-Zero from The Running Man. Oh, hell yeah. When they go, Sub-Zero, now he's no zero. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I guess that's a catchphrase. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, and he was a professional wrestler. Yeah. At one point, uh, he's awesome. I was psyched. I like yelled out loud to my wife. Like, yeah, I was like I Professor him, Tanaka. Yeah. Uh, I was very, yeah, that was a, it, it was a big moment for me. <laughs> Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, speaking of uh, catchphrases, you lose. Uh, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, great. <laughs> like, uh, it, it's such a nothing. Like, but I was just like, all right, go for it. Yeah, we we planted the seeds uh, so much, in fact, that we're double planting those seeds. Yeah, we're, we're hoping for a sequoia here by the time it pays off. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> we're just hoping, hoping beyond hope. I think that's it. Like it's like, I mean, again, there's enough pluses in it if you're like, I want to see an action film. Like because like we we had mentioned it earlier on. There's the moment with the blowtorch. Oh like, yeah, so, the, right the, away. The guy escapes right away. Like the guy who like, looks and like, I was like um, D- John Glover. He tries to escape the bridge that they had warned us about. Uh-huh. They had told us there's. This, oh yeah, this he bridge. the exposition that he sets up up top is so 
that whole scene between Norris uh, being like, you know, you're breaking the Geneva code. And then all of a sudden he just lays out the whole thing about like, okay, here's who we are. Here's where we're at. And here's the the consequences of the island if you try to leave. And I appreciated it. I did too. At least least I knew what I was fucking watching at that point. It's kind of what I tell my sketch and improv students of being like, uh, I know it's going to feel a little ham-fisted. It's going to feel a little too on the nose and gross. But guess what? We need that context. Right. Well, because, again, we're not making fucking high art here. Like, <laughs> right. In, in the same with sketch. Like, you know, it's the same. I would we would talk about this before. I would do the same with Cobra, where I'd be like, you know what Cobra's deal is. And it's hardly a deal. But just like that's all he's going to do. So let him do that. We need to know the rules so that we know how to you know what we're following you know and also gives us a nice fucking checklist for this whole movie where you're like okay Uh i guess that's what our scenes will be can't wait for them uh because when they do get to the bridge you're like oh yeah there's that bridge and then it was like wait a second you can't cross that bridge because a guy is gonna walk onto the bridge with a fucking (laughs) flamethrower and light the guy on fire a bridge that's also made out of Highly flammable wooden rope. Yeah, it gets uh, burned later. He literally burns a bridge. Um, oh, and yeah. I was like, how is he going to get it across then? Yeah, he found a way. He and goes he around. Yeah, he just took the yeah. long way. With those giant fucking... Uh, <laughs> that scene, by the way, where he's uh, uh, taking uh, away the giant uh, weapons boxes... Oh my god! Felt like a scene from like Hot Shots. Yes, it felt like they kept getting bigger. They kept getting more bigger stuff. and heavier, and then yet they're distracted by this small scuffle, and yes. he's right behind them. Right. <laughs> and it felt like when I was watching, I was like, "This feels like a a, a hot, like a parody movie scene." It, that that is the hard part of being like watching it post all that stuff because it's a lot like the scene in Rambo Three where he blows the guy up with the explosive arrow and the guy who's shooting at him can't hit him. And then they parody it in UHF, uh-huh. where the joke is that they literally are like one feet apart and the guy can't hit him with the gun. And then when Rambo self-titled came out, they've got the scene where he just turns a Jeep's Gatlin gun on the person holding it, and you just watch them explode. And it was just like, this is a crazy, like, Eat, snake eating its own tail <laughs> like it's like the action film makes the parody and then the parody becomes the action film and then i'm like all right well the next level's gotta be even crazier but like yeah there, like that moment was insane because it also was much like the beginning with the mia uh typewriter thing where i was just like jesus christ man S- stop getting boxes like i was like i get it like you got like so many boxes what are you gonna do with all those boxes motherfucker like you're not carrying all those boxes, yeah. And then we get distracted by little scuff. I'm like, oh god, move on. Yeah. Did he come back and drag? Like, how did you one by one? Did he have to? Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. It was a. It was a whole. It was a whole system of just him. So. Like, yeah. Uh, but that, I think that was also it speaks to the one of just the crazy parts is like that was right at the point where I think both of us probably were like fucking finally, uh-huh. this is going to become an action film. Like, it's finally going to become, like, after, again, watching nothing but torture. And I do think this movie could be, like, 40 minutes if you cut every single scene of the POW staring out of their bamboo cages Mm. at what is going on outside of the bamboo cage. There's so many scenes of them and just Norris's dead eyes 
just staring <laughs> at whatever torture is going on out there. Uh, inclu- and, and if only he could see himself with a rat bag on his head. <laughs> oh, my God. That whole, the fact, uh, you, know, you know the fact behind that, right? That they couldn't find the fake rat. Uh, and so Norris was just like, just kill one. <laughs> Uh huh. So that's probably a real the rat, rat they have in that shot where they're poking yes. with a stick. <laughs> right. Where they kill that and rat he, and then he ugh. holds it in his mouth ugh. and shakes his head around. Well, yeah, he had the the rat just flopping around in a bag that was dead and he flopped <laughs> his head around to make it look like it was attacking him. And then he gets ugh. it in his teeth and he's holding a real dead rat. Ugh. In his and, mouth. And thought he had botulism. <laughs> he he talks about it in an interview about saying that, like, you know, he was young and dumb and, like, he realizes right. how stupid it was. But at the time, right. he was just like, you know, I was reckless. And he said he was young, but, man, he still looked like he was, like, 45. Uh, he's I always know. looked older, you know, than he, he was. He has got such an old face. Like, there's one – I can't remember what – Norris movie it is. I think it's like Force of One or something, but there's just at least one where he's got his mustache shaved off and it looks even weirder. It's so disconcerting because he's so old looking and you know he's supposed to be young, but his face somehow looks older without the mustache. Uh, yeah, that rat bag scene is like... It's pretty funny. I think knowing... It's pretty fun. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, but also, like, even my wife was, like, kind of not paying attention to it. And the way they cut out of it, it's just, like, one of those weird fade outs where you're like, I think there was more scene, but they didn't know what to do with it. So they just kind of fade out. Like, and you're just like, all right, he's got a rat in his mouth. Yeah. Uh, but there are so many scenes that are, I kept thinking about the rat bag anecdote where, like, the actors are, like, covered in filth like spitting out so much fake blood and you're just like god you had to really put yourself through some shit for this movie like yeah like you had to really beat your body up and the end result was missing an action to the beginning <laughs> the one we've all decided is the lesser of the two <laughs> uh, but i mean godspeed that being said i think norris actually looks awesome in this like when he's dirty i was the whole time i was like he looks really good oh yeah <laughs> like, yeah his hair looks good i just think he's got a good look to him even with his stoicness and then when he comes back to you know for the final fights the outfit he's wearing too you know he's kind of in his karate <laughs> garb a little bit and it's a weird i think that's another weird it's like a weird like he's wearing some like weird like karate gi but it's also like a weird mishmash of Army the clothes. burlap sack shirt that Rambo makes in First Blood when he's trapped outside and he has to like find that piece of burlap and he like cuts it and wraps around it because it like fits weird on the shoulders. And I was like, dude, are they aware that this is like another Rambo thing? Like they've got to be like even any of those speeches. When I was talking about Brooklyn doing that fucking Shakespearean speech, like the whole time I was like, do they are they like picturing the speech from the end of First Blood, which is such a mind blowing scene. Like, you know, fucking Stallone just like, they, they spit on me, like freaking out. Like, and like, oh, do they, like, I could just picture the director just being like, just do that, man. We want a bunch of those. We want five of those because Norris isn't going to do it. Like, he's just going to sit there sewing a flag. Right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's it. Like, there's like, it's again, it's like a weird ease into it being an action film. There are those lines like the like, what is it that you lose? Like, there's that. And then there's the line where he does find out, he's finding out that his wife got remarried. We talked about that. But his reaction line is, if my wife is getting remarried, 
I'm happy for her. <laughs> I was like, okay, kind of badass. Like, yeah. I think you think it's more badass, but kind of. Like, it's just kind of fine. Like, again, it's like there's a bunch of those. And then it leads up to, not to jump to the end, but the end where, you know, finally those last 20 minutes we get action. Like, oh, it's yeah. great. And but in the it is the most badass part in it is when oh yeah it's he's awesome. doing the he's doing the fucking the final fight is good the final fight's got some great moves it's the best fighting uh, but also when he's like this one is for Brooklyn like and he's like this one's for malaria or whatever uh. their names are and then when he's walking away and he presses the button to make everything explode and he's just like and this one's for me. <laughs> <laughs> like that's great like i, I mean that's almost worth the price of admission because i thing. i thought i was like man he's gonna let him live he just said that he came here to watch him die and then or <laughs> right. to make sure he was dead and he's just leaving him and then sure enough i was wrong <laughs> right that's what i get exactly <laughs> right you got fooled by braddock oh braddock uh, braddock you got me again a lot of those decisions, I think, probably were Golan too you know because like yes apparently like he made that deal with norris to do uh, five films uh, for a million dollars each, and he did that against the wish- wishes of Globus. That was kind of like one of the first, you know, oh, uh, the, the, rifts yeah, that the they started outs. to have. Wait, so Norris got a million for this? It was one in five. It was one of the five films that he did that got he got a million for. So the budget was one point five. If we're getting rid of just the top line of just the actor, it was like because if it's a two point five million, no, that's what I'm saying though. Oh, if right. it's a two point five million. So to and and not counting like Brooklyn's salary and fucking Professor Tanaka's salary, because like just thinking about to make it like that's part of why it also looks like it's on a universal soundstage. Oh yeah, all the money went to Norris. I have a fucking million dollars. That's insane. Uh-huh. Like that's a, such a crazy amount of money. Like that is the equivalent of in 1984, dude. That is if 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 we're doing a calculator. That's the equivalent of, and it's just because I just rewatched it, the when uh, Jim Carrey did The Cable Guy and got $20 million, Oh, my and God. And everyone was, like, freaking out because that was, like, way too much money. Uh, like, yeah, that is a... I mean, I guess it... Well, no, yeah, no, it worked out because they got 10 point whatever, and I bet you it's still fucking making money, hand over fist. Uh, uh, yeah, that's crazy to me. I mean, but that also... Like, yeah, like, uh, Wow. I, I don't know why I'm so blown away by the fact they got a million, but I think because he's not doing nothing in it. Like, I mean, I guess it is the star power, and I wouldn't have watched it unless it was Chuck Norris. Yeah, uh, you wouldn't be watching it if it was, like, um, some random actor from Airwolf. Yeah, right, exactly. Well, let's not go crazy. I Maybe I would have. At this point in my life, Frank, yeah, probably let's just would've. be honest. <laughs> if I'm like Jan Michael Vincent, is definitely I would definitely be watching uh-huh. this fucking thing. Um just remembering, uh, we mentioned the blowtorch, but I also just look at my notes. I completely forgot about when another when they blowtorch malaria guy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and he's just yelling, and that is the most emotion I think he has in. Where he's like, "He's not dead," and he pronounces yeah. "dead" really weird. But even when he's shouting that, I'm kind of like, "Oh, he's it's his range louder." Yes, 100%. And that's why I'm wondering if, like, the way he pronounces dead was weird. Because it's like, he's just not used to saying dead at that volume. Uh Uh, But that was also the most... It's like that section was both the most 80s action, but also was the most, like, 80s weird TV movie. Because, like, the plot was also getting really confused. It's like, before that, Malaria had been overdosed with opium. Uh huh. Because we didn't even talk about that. Apparently, this was also 
they were all maybe working on an opium farm and that the general had a deal with a French guy. Francois. The Fre- yeah, Francois, the most French name ever, who was just wearing like a fucking eating brie the whole time with a baguette. Um, uh, and then he's the one who brought the prostitutes, which also, again, to go back to that prostitute scene, you know that part of why that scene exists is because Golan or Globus was like, we got to get tits. Like, let's get some breasts in here. And then it was like, okay, I guess the way we're going to watch breasts is fucking this poor fucking Vietnamese captive being kind of weirdly fucked with by prostitutes. Yes, just humiliated in front of, again, the POWs watching them from a bamboo cage over and over and over again. But like when you like, it's those moments when you remember it's a movie. Like, because you always kind of remember it's a movie watching this, let's be honest. Uh, it's not like you're swept away into the majesty of filmmaking while yeah. you're watching oh, no. Missing in Action. <laughs> yes. But it's definitely an extra moment where you're like, ugh, like they had to pay these people to torture this poor guy. Like, and, you know, and the reason they probably did it is because it was a can film. They needed breasts somehow uh-huh. just to get. A, a titillating scene in the worst way possible. Uh, but yeah, when they light that, when they light malaria guy on fire, real great, just because it was so unexpected and weird. It was so um, extra. It was just so like, I think that's the thing. If, if, if we were going to rate it as a, uh, what we think 16 year old girls speak like <laughs> that scene was extra for Uh-huh. <laughs> But it definitely was. That's how I felt. And I was watching it. I was just like, this is extra. This is like, why is this happening? Yeah, it (laughs) it just felt like um, it was already brutal that he was, you know, poisoned with, um, I guess they have to give him, I guess it's motivation. It's like, it's overkill motivation where it's like, if, if everything they've done so far wasn't enough. They had him sign that thing that he confessed yep. to doing something wrong or whatever, and they took right. a picture of it. But then on top of that, they didn't help his friend. Uh, they just overdosed him with, uh, you know, opium, uh, and then uh, they set him on fire before he died. <laughs> right, but that's the thing. Like that's again, like kind of a little bit like fuck Braddock. Like I was like, wait, at this point is only like. Brooklyn alive and that guy who I forgot about who had escaped and who was his like second in command on that crazy raid uh like but at that point I was like yeah man like you should have done this shit before if you could have you should have yeah that's the thing that that didn't make sense to me of like why now yes like after 10 years and then also he is like, do you speak to him? Like when he said, like, you're you're violating and, you know, one day the, the Americans will come for us. And it's like, dude, it's been 10 years. <laughs> I know. Why, why just so now? Long, why now? Right. I mean, that's enough. A, like, I don't. Yeah. I, you it, know, that, it's like, that now would, is no, the that time. was a huge, like, that was like one of those, like, God, sketch teacher watching this. Because why now is a, is a sketch note I always give. But it was one I was saying. I was like, yeah. Why, if you could have done this before, why didn't you do it before? Like, there wasn't, like, actually, you had more motivation to do this earlier. Like, you had more motivation when more of your friends were alive. And you had more motivation before Malaria Guy got fucking lit on fire, alive, in front of you. Uh, it's just insane. I I started thinking, too, I was like... um, 
if I were, I mean, you would definitely know people's names, but it, like for like the journalist guy who gets killed and right. you escape that situation, I, I would probably be really bad about that. Being like, oh God, what was his name? I want to tell his family. <laughs> right. Oh, because I'm I'd, so bad I'd, with names. I would that... forget them all. I would yeah, be I'd sitting be like... there going, like, I think Brooklyn was his name. Yeah, bro- uh. he had a chicken friend. Uh, I don't know if you I know, know it's a, a guy weird that would have that kind of relationship with a chicken and is from Brooklyn, did... never saw his kid. Uh, <laughs> he's, he, he did well. Did you have a son who had malaria when I knew him? <laughs> yeah. Cause I don't, I don't know anything else about him. Anyway, sorry. Uh, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> I'm doing this all over the phone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Bye there. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was just like, uh, again, like I, it, when it finally gets to the end, it just was a little bit like too little, too late. Like I think it's just the bummer of this movie. Um, uh, it's like the 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 breathing rod thing was fun. You know, like he's sitting there with a bamboo stick, like he's able to hide from people. But again, each move where it's like the crazy fight. The scene where he's hiding and all those worms are falling on him. Ugh, I was like, wait, what's the stakes of this? Like, okay, he's got worms on him, but like, I don't know. Right. Is that bad? <laughs> right. I mean, it's gross. It's, it's annoying. But like uh, uh, with all the things that he could crawl on him in the jungle. Right. <laughs> right. Like maybe like I would expect like a scene where a scorpion's about to like you know, come at his face or something. And he's trying to like, he's trying to like, you know, the guy won't leave and the scorpions coming after him. Yes. And then he can only move like after, or like a snake or something. But then it's just like a bunch of worms are falling on him. It's weird parallels to Rambo again. Like you're the whole time that it's hard to not sit there. And as someone who also like, I think Rambo first blood part two is okay. When I think first blood is like this unbelievable movie. Uh, like I don't love when it, he becomes a cartoon, but the whole time, I guess for both those movies, you're, like when you're watching Missing in Action, it's hard to not sit there and just be like, oh, this is the worst version of that better scene. <laughs> like, I, you know, like there's a scene of like a Rambo and there's like either a scorpion or a snake like coming up or rats biting him. And like and you're just like, yeah, no, that one's tense. Like this one is just like, ew, <laughs> like Braddock. Sorry. Uh <laughs> Yeah, there's just like, and it's hard, again, where it's like, once the action starts to, you want it to just keep moving. Like, when you were saying the fucking hot shot style scene where he's moving all the artillery, and you're like, god damn, it's so slow. And then when he starts crawling across that bridge before, oh, yeah. like, I just wrote down, I started zoning out as he slowly humps the wooden rope bridge, because <laughs> he was just like undulating as he crawled across it yeah and the fact that that guy came out on the bridge and didn't see him whatsoever how did he not i mean like i'm sorry i know whatever like i'm not gonna get so yeah i my suspension of disbelief is not there at that point i'm like come on he's right there although i will say that that stunt that when he goes under i mean that's pretty impressive oh it's awesome yeah that's great uh, I, I was into that. Uh, uh, yeah. I, and But even that, I, the whole time I was like, as he's slowly humping, I was like, I hope he does an under the bridge scene. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sitting there doing the math on it. And I think part of it is weirdly like I watched. Do you remember that movie Breakdown with Kurt Russell? Uh, it was like oh, 1998, maybe. I don't think um, so. 
I rewatched it recently. It's just like this guy from the East Coast is driving across country with his wife and then like they, their car breaks down and then this trucker like kidnaps his wife. And it's a little bit like um, The Vanishing, that like Dutch movie that got remade where it's like a wife disappears at a rest stop. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's like Kurt Russell trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. But like that movie's like pretty good. The first third is like really intriguing. The second third, you're just like, ah, it's kind of boring. And then the last third, Kurt Russell becomes just a badass like an unwitting badass and he's like doing the same move but on a moving semi tractor trailer and it's like ah that's awesome uh and this was kind of even that the lesser version of that but when he got there i was like cool but even that he's stoic like and i know part of it's just we're seeing how strong braddock is but he's just like it's like he's not even breathing man like he yeah, might he's not even struggling like, if you told me chuck norris didn't need oxygen i would just be like i get it I believe you, man. Yep, makes sense. If it was the last 20 minutes, I think I'd be super psyched. (laughs) Like, (laughs) It's just too real. I think that's my part. It's too real. And then when it gets goofy, it's not goofy enough. Like, or it's just like confusing. Speaking of real versus goofy, uh, when the Australian guy uh, gets executed, uh, the line of fire would have hit the other guy. The thing that that I thought was strange about that scene is he reacted to it. Right. <laughs> like you would not you would be dead. Yeah. And he reacted as if somebody poured cold water down his back. Again, I think Shakespearean actors. Like I think a lot of these were like psyched that they got a movie role, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and like he was really going to go for it and what were they going to tell him not to act up a storm? I know, right. You're getting shot in the head, so milk it. Yeah, like you're getting shot in the head. We're not going to be anywhere close to your head. Uh, the bullet hole is going to somehow be below where the gun is because we are going to not time this squib right at all. And we don't got the budget to do another. We paid fucking Chuck Norris a million dollars. Like, we can't get another fucking squib in here. So you better act up a storm. And then they're like, all right, he maybe reacted too much, but. Well, the prop didn't arrive, so they actually shot him in the head. Oh, okay. He's dead. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's dead. Oh, oh we saw. <laughs> so we've got a dead rat, uh, dead maybe journalist. Uh, it was all worth it. They get to roll around in mud. What was that was near the scene when, uh, kind of speaking of Goofy, is uh, when he's being carried around uh, in the wicker chair that looks like it's from Pier One Imports. <laughs> It is definitely a pure one red clearance tag sale. I was like, he's supposed to be this evil, you know, guy, but they're carrying him around on what looks like, you know, something my grandma had on the back porch. 100%. And also it was like halfway through. Like, I was like, yeah. wait, did he make a decision to up like his like fucking austerity here? Yeah, like, you because know, he wasn't at any point, but all of a sudden he's like being carried around like, a, you know. A, a guide on you know like on this <laughs> on weird wicker one. chair <laughs> on a white i think that's the thing it's the fact that it's a white wicker chair yeah, yeah i think exactly. that's the pier one part of it it's that like your grandma was like you know what real wood is not good i want a good look of a terribly white painted chair uh that can always flake that <laughs> shows that i've got taste um yeah man i i don't know i mean i i don't know I, I think ultimately, I'm I'm so glad we finally we we've 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 got a Norris in. We've got oh. our first Norris movie. Uh, I, I'm so glad that I mean we're doing. I mean that's the thing is like missing an action is like high up in the canon of canon. Um, but there is a piece of me that I'm just like I'm excited to watch Missing in Action one. 
Oh, I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah. And maybe even Braddock. I think I might have watched Braddock recently and was just like, oh, that's what Braddock is. And it at least has some stuff. But again, might have too much real stuff in there. Uh, uh, but I'm pretty sure because like, again, that beginning part of missing an action, I was like, oh, man, OK, I'm excited when this comes around. Uh, this one, again, it's just like I think they took too many cues from trying to make it honor the POWs. So then honestly, then I'm just like, well, like it, it doesn't feel like it really honors them because it's got all this goofy shit. And the whole time I'm just like starting to get bored. Like I just wanted it to be the action movie. I remembered as a 10 year old. Yeah. Same here. It was a little bit, I kept writing down time codes at certain points being like, all right, (laughs) when we get into it, you know, it wasn't until he pretended to hang himself, which by the way, I don't know how he, did that stunt uh that's always surprising you know it's like how do you fake that again (laughs) right you know uh his but that's the thing he's his neck is just strong enough you don't question it yeah he's braddock yeah the old i hung myself trick right and i do now it's almost like i want to like as we keep doing these and maybe we're gonna like find this as like i mean it's something i'm thinking more and more about with uh, kind of every 80s action film, but especially in canon. Like, again, like, we've had multiple movies now where it's unclear why the lead is the lead beyond that they were hired. You know what I mean? Like, it's unclear why why the Highlander was the Highlander. Like, he, why he's the one. Like, we talked about that. And in this, it's unclear why Braddock is such a badass besides them telling us he's a badass. And, like, I know that's just almost like a... A, a trope maybe like but i i'm wondering if we're gonna find that because like if i'm like doing like a brief kind of recall of these like you know i think when we watch american ninja i think we might find the same thing <laughs> like it's a little right. bit of like wait why is dudikoff the good ninja like i'm not sure like versus the ones that stand out like i know when we get to blood sport i'm gonna be like no 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 frank dukes was a great liar uh, that's why he's so awesome. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I think that ends up being one of the biggest faults of it beyond that. It's just too realistic. It's just constantly. I'm just like, I don't know why Braddock is such a badass. There's like, also re- things I forgive, like, you know, with a certain, um, like a pedigree of film where you're like, okay, I'll forgive this edit or whatever. But there are right. multiple times in this movie that break the camera rules. as somebody who you know if you've ever you know uh been a dp or like uh directed anything and you know you're told about these rules not to break uh there are many that are broken in this movie that kind of like jolts you out of it a little bit that you're just like okay i i i i can i can appreciate the merit of this movie for like it's a you know for what it is and i i can enjoy it to a certain degree but then right. also you have to battle against like some of that stuff of being like, oh, my brain's kind of fucked up watching this because logically this shot doesn't match with that shot. And then it's breaking right. this, you know, angle degree, you know, like it's I don't know. I, I mean, no, no, I, I think that is a huge thing. Like, I think like, you know, one of the things I love about genre uh, and exploitation is that there will be this like hidden artistry. And most of the uh-huh. stuff I really love. Oh, yeah. And it's either because, you know, early on, it's easier to get a job uh, doing genre stuff. Uh, it's the kind of Roger Corman 
thing. So like you've got these people who are eventually going to like be like real kind of film people uh, as directors or DPs, um, or they don't have like the fucking production company in the way. So they're able to make these interesting choices or, you know, in the case of what I love, like they're Italian and from the 70s. So it's just batshit crazy over there. But so everyone is topping each other of like wanting it to make it crazier than Mario Bava and then crazier than Argento. But I think that ends up being one of the uh, uh, the things that takes away from some canon films is that because I'm guessing Golden and Globus were what we've talked about a bunch that they just like love films so much, but not enough to like not make them just kind of workhorse films. I mean, there's no getting around. If you're making two movies at the same exact time, like in trying to beat a movie that doesn't even exist coming out and you have Golan and Globus, like shit, like what you're talking about, where like sight lines and the way they shot it isn't kind of following the 180 rule and all that, like all that's going to get fucking lost in the shuffle a little bit. Like, and, and, and you have the fun stuff, but you're not going to have necessarily that kind of hidden artistry. Uh, yeah, it's not will... like Sam Raimi trying to figure out like, okay, I, I have this these limited resources and I'm going to do these camera tricks to kind of hide the fact that we don't have this or that, you know? Right, exactly. And I think that's the thing. Like, it just ends up kind of being like, you know, yeah, we just kind of get stuck with it. Like, I do think that's probably why there are so many fade outs. Like, you know, like it's it's jarring when there's a fade out to black in a movie. Uh, uh, and in this, there are multiple, and most of the time, especially after something like that rat bag scene, like that we were talking about, like it, it's, you're just like, oh, there probably was something after this. There's no way that they wrote, they take the bag off. He's got a rat hanging in his mouth and that is it. There's yeah. no reaction from anyone, nothing. So what that leads me to think is they just didn't get anything because also, again, they're like fucking trying to pump this thing out and trying to pump two movies out. Even if you've got two different production crews, two different directors, you still have Norris having to go back and forth if they're shooting the, like, you know, I think that's the problem is that you have two different directors. Cause usually when you do, you film movies back to back, you know, I'm just trying to think of like, you know, like, um, examples, like you have Zemeckis doing the last, you know, back, you back to future two and three at the same time. Right. Uh, you know, the Russo brothers with the, you know, infinity war and end game. And they're, you know, like they, there's a collective vision that has to happen. There's, there's a, a person who is, you know, uh, or even like with the avatar shit that's being filmed now, you know, with James Cameron, right. it's like all one director collective vision. And so it, it becomes a mess when you don't have a unified, I think director, handling right. stuff when it's filmed back to back. I think especially when, I mean, just again, it's personal preference stuff, but like, and it's no offense against Lance Houle and Brian May and all that, but like, it just in my opinion, I'm just like, yeah, it's hard when you're competing against like Joe Zito, who I just think made some really like solid fucking genre exploitation films and and does these movies have these crazy interesting choices. And he was going to direct the, the Spider-Man movie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He he was going to do Spider. He did like a pre-production of a year on that. Like, uh, you know, and and then again, Jay Chataway, who like, uh, no matter what, like he's on the lower level of like composers I really love, but like, or like, at least like when I see Jay Chataway, I'm like, oh shit, like that's going to have some fun stuff. Uh, and it's so it's, and I think again, it's just hard where, you know, like 
also when you've got Norris as the lead, if however they shot it, if they're shooting them in theory at the same time, if he's got to go production to production, he already looks tired enough. You know, if yeah. he's got to go from fucking being completely covered in mud in fucking uh, uh, part two and then go just partly covered in mud in part one and then be stoic in all of them. Like, no wonder he's sleepy. Like, that's where I'm going to like give him some benefit of the doubt here. Uh, yeah, I mean, end of the day, because uh, I think this is where we should start to kind of wrap up here. Uh I, I yeah I I mean I'm psyched that we finally got to watch a missing in action. Uh-huh. I'm more psyched to finally watch missing in action again with you versus Me too. missing we gotta, action to the beginning. We have to figure out a way to watch it. Yeah, we do. Uh, uh, so I think like before we go, you know, our classic like let's do. Uh, you know, how many cannons are you giving this canon film, Frank? I'm going to give it ten out of ten cannons. This is prime canon. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm I with you say- on it. I'll say, well, I'll say this. Um, uh, well, we're not talking about quality. No, 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 no. We're no, no. going we're by, about, is this a canon film? Yeah, this is very much just across the board. Everything about it is, you know, prime canon. I think if you're if you're talking to people who don't know, like aren't fucking crazy people like us that were like trying to track down every movie from a production company uh if you were if they were like what is canon films they'd be like do you remember those like miss missing in action movies they'd probably be like oh right right and then you're like okay yeah that's canon so like i think that's the thing like even when before we'd be like oh cobra has got these qualities and this is this and i'm just like no nah, it's missing in action that's canon like we all know that <laughs> like so yeah because i'm think- with you for quality, it would probably, you know, bump it down a few. But I think, like, you know, the overall, I think, yeah, this is very much a canon movie. Oh, yeah. Quality, I mean, I'd give it, like, five something. Like, I don't think I I wouldn't. I don't need to rewatch this for another couple of years. Uh, uh, I know people love it, but also I think we've all vaguely agreed, like, Missing in Action 1 is the better uh, of the uh-huh. two. Uh, yeah, I'm giving it 10, 10, 10 canons as well. Like, it's just like, this is, like I said, it's just like, this is what Canon films is like. And, and the fact that they did both these at the same time in order to beat Rambo, which is a movie they were ripping off anyways. I mean, that can't be more Golan and Globus than any, like, that's like the most Golan Globus move. So, you know, 10, baby, 10, 10 for the win. Yeah. That's what I say. Um, well, this was a one Frank. I'm so happy to be talking to you. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I miss doing this. Uh, we had a lot of these episodes. I mean, we had all the episodes that we, um, uh, yeah, we had, what, six episodes or so? Yeah, I think six, seven, no, six, I think, yes. Yeah, so after this episode comes out, we're going to release a couple more that we recorded before everything went down. Mm-hmm. And, um yeah. Yeah, and and for the, you know, uh, you know, as oh, well, not as always, especially now that we're in this and now we're starting to do this. If if you like this show, uh tell your friends, like, rate and review, but yeah, we're uh, you know, as all of us, we don't know what the uh foreseeable future is for right now for all of us, so there probably will be some more uh kind of remote episodes both with me and Frank. Uh we're going to try you know, we usually have a guest, but we're going to also try to do some uh remote ones with guests. Yeah, uh, we we're tr- trying this out right now just because like it's the easiest and then we have some guests that are uh we we have lined up that hopefully it'll work out. We have to figure that you know stuff out. Don't forget to uh, follow us on social media. Yeah. What's our Twitter and our Instagram, Frank? 
Uh, our Twitter is at the Canon Canon, and remember that second Canon uh, only has one N, and it's the same handle for Instagram, the Canon Canon at the Canon Canon. Uh, and yeah, you can uh, uh, follow us there. We post some goodies, a lot of uh, stuff on the stories, and um, yeah, if you if you want to uh, share your thoughts about what movies that we should cover in the future, or if you have any corrections, our good friend uh, Pat Vamos uh, reached out about the Ruthless People poster that we misremembered. Uh, that it, w- which I don't even remember talking about. That's the beauty. We, we, it was a kind of a tossed off comment where we're like, oh yeah, where she's hanging off the, the cliff. And that, that was for, um, uh, another movie that w- outrageous, outrageous fortune. fortune. We were remembering the wrong, uh, movie poster, but like even stuff like that, like, I don't know. I, I think it's fun to kind of, uh, we're going to remember things wrong. Oh, especially me. I have the that worst is- memory, you know, uh, and especially with stuff from childhood where I constantly am corrected uh, <laughs> by people I grew up with or whatever, being like, that's not what happened. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Or when I go back and watch certain movies, I'm like, wait a minute. I remember this completely different. So a lot of the time we're going off our memory <laughs> right. and, you know, sometimes that's shit. 100%. But that's the thing. Like, so feel free to reach out to us. Also, our, G- our uh, the canon canon at gmail.com. Correct. You can email us. Uh, if you want to email us. Uh, but also, yeah, if you've got any corrections, if you've got any uh, just fun canon memories you want to share, uh, if you've got uh, movies you would like to see, also, if you've got uh, fun other ideas, we're kind of toying with, you know, we're going to go through all of the canon uh, films is the hope here. But, you know, we're 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 toying with. Uh, having some special other production company Yeah, maybe episodes. one day we'll have a Patreon. We have to get a few more listeners before that happens. Uh, but yeah. like maybe... But then maybe we could talk about some Carol Co. movies and maybe we could talk about some New World Pictures films. And uh, But we might even do some special episodes to break it up before... Uh, you know, it, this, is a, this is a moving form uh, where we're just talking about the shit mm-hmm. we want to talk about. But when it rela- is related to canon films, always. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got any, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We appreciate everyone listening so far. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we love hearing from you. And until then, I'm Jeff Garlock. And I'm Frank Garcia Hale. And this is The, the Canon Canon. Braddock, you lose. <laughs>